0: Our colleague Miles Krupa covers Google. And this week, he sat down for a rare interview with the company's CEO, Sundar Pachai.
1: Well, thanks again, Sundar. It's great to be sitting down with you right now. It's a pleasure, Miles. Thanks for doing this. Great. I kind of want to start with the question that I
0: think is. Miles had one main thing he wanted to talk with Pachai about AI, artificial intelligence. This year, tech has been all about it. And Google? has been caught flat-footed. But even as Google is rushing to catch up, the company is also cutting costs and laying off workers.
1: First, Google, like all the other big tech companies, is grappling with a business downturn and a lot of economic uncertainty. At the same time, it's also trying to meet this boom in artificial intelligence and trying to remain competitive with startups like OpenAI, which released uh, ChatGPT, the viral chatbot, I was really trying to learn how he's leading the company through these dual challenges, because in some ways they seem at odds with each other.
0: Welcome to The Journal, our show about money, business, and power. I'm Kate Leinbaugh. It's Friday, April 7th. Coming up on the show, an interview with Google CEO Sundar Pichai and what the AI explosion means for the world's most popular search engine.
1: This episode is brought to you by Vonage. With Vonage Video API, your developers can easily create custom video experiences tailored to your business. Enhance every conversation with live video, whether it's delivering faster tech support, improving customer service, or enabling interactive meetings and events. Unlock the true video potential of your business. Discover how at Vonage.com.
0: When Miles sat down with Pachai earlier this week, he learned one major thing. Google is planning to integrate AI into its search engine. Changes to Google Search are pretty rare because it's the company's biggest moneymaker, accounting for more than half of the company's revenues. Miles asked Pachai about it.
1: I realize that Google Search has changed a lot over the years, but it's still, to me, based on links, right? Do you see link-based search as the dominant way people access information on the internet a decade from now?
2: I think the experience will evolve uh, substantively over the next decade. You know, we have to meet users in terms of what they are looking for. I think it's important to understand what users are trying to accomplish, and you know, we work back from that at any given moment, like we've always done. What
1: role do you think AI chatbots in particular will play in search? I know you've talked about them as a companion, but do you think people will be
2: retrieving information through these AI chatbot-based interfaces? You know, both. I think we've been using LLMs in search for a while.
0: LLMs are large language models, the computer programs that power AI chatbots.
2: But I think we will bring like the modern LLM capabilities in search, you know, more natively. And so I'm excited by that. But again, here we are working through to make sure it works well for users. Even users come to Google, you know, they have a high bar, and, you know, and, and we want to meet that bar, and bring all these innovative new features in. But yes, will people be able to ask questions to Google and engage uh, with LLMs in the context of search? Uh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Do you
1: see it evolving into sort of a conversation? I mean, as it is right now, you type something into a Google search bar, and then it doesn't really ask you a follow-up question, right? Or it doesn't ask you to you know, respond or continue a conversation. Do you think that will change?
2: I think yes. As a, at a high level, we expect today people come to Google, ask follow-up questions. We allow them to refine questions. So I, in some ways, I see it as a natural continuum, and we'll be able to give them more powerful tools to be able to do that. You know, one of the things about search is we serve an incredible wide variety of use cases. And if anything, now I see the opportunity space is expanding. Right. So I think there's no single answer to these questions. But I'm excited at the fact that we have now many different tools to be able to accomplish that. When you say the opportunity space is expanding, what do you mean by that exactly? Just the fact that there are you know, newer types of queries which you can ask. Search, which you may not have thought about asking before, right? You know, would you have considered asking Google, you know, help me write a poem on something? You know, you, I'm sure we saw queries like that. But maybe in some of those things now, we can do a much better job than what we have done before. I think there are queries in the past where we've had, where the concept of a single right answer doesn't make much sense. So I think, you know, LLMs do great in those uh, scenarios. And so those are all areas we are embracing and trying to improve the product uh, with that viewpoint. Right, you know, I think a lot of the queries we're talking about
1: are sort of non-commercial. You know, they're just informational. You might not serve ads against them
2: what kinds of commercial potential do you see for LLMs and LLM search? I I think it's tough to carve it out that way. You know, you may start a journey somewhere, go somewhere, right? You know, uh, you may be interested in ideas for a birthday, you know, how to celebrate a birthday, right? And in it, at some point, aspects of it may be more commercial, right? And so I think You know, we don't come into it with the view of, like, we want to give users commercial journeys. That's how how we've never approached it.
0: So what's your takeaway from your conversation with Pachai about how Google is planning to change search?
1: I think it's taking seriously the idea that it has to disrupt the search engine at least a little bit. It's taking baby steps, but I think Google is now seeing that The audience for these AI-based chatbots is big and probably not going away and only going to keep growing. And if they want to capture those users, they need to make changes to the search engine. And I, I could just see him, as he was answering these questions, kind of thinking through in the moment, how do I give a sense of where we're going while also not rocking the boat too much?
0: But Google's rollout of its own chatbot has been rocky. That's coming up. This episode
1: is brought to you by Mercury. There's an art to making the complex feel simple. Everything should be in sync so that even the smallest part serves a bigger purpose. Simplicity can transform your business operations. That's why Mercury powers your financial workflows from the bank account, giving ambitious companies like yours the precision, control, and focus they need to perform at their best. Apply in minutes at Mercury.com.
0: Google developers had quietly been working on a chatbot for a long time. But in November, OpenAI released ChatGPT, beating Google to the punch. And then two weeks ago, Google put out its own chatbot called BARD in a kind of limited release. You have to sign up on a wait list.
1: I think everybody was waiting to see what Google would do. And when BARD finally came out, it was a bit of a muted response
0: so Miles asked Pachai, "Why was Google so slow to the chatbot game?"
2: I mean, it's a good question. All of us working on it, uh, you know. Obviously, when you when you have technology like that, you know, iterating it and coming up with a good product market fit, through which you can launch these products, uh, is what all of us are working towards. Maybe timelines change given given the moment in the industry we are changing. I think we were on a path towards uh, launching stuff. But, you know, we are realizing, you know, it's been incredible to see user excitement around adoption of these uh, technologies. And, you know, some of that is a pleasant surprise as well. And so we are taking that into account and, you know, meeting the moment. So you were looking for product market fit. Were you not
1: seeing that before the past few months when ChatGPT sort of became
2: this overnight success? I mean, always going to have products, which, you know, I'm sure OpenAI debated when, you know, now when I read, I think they had the product inside for a while, too, before they decided to ship it. And, you know, maybe their opportunity window was a bit different uh, as a startup compared to a company like Google. But to me, all that, you know, I'm thinking about what we have to do ahead of uh, where we are. And so we have to stay focused on how all we can use this technology and build it into our products, which we are planning on doing. Do you think you missed out on anything by not being first to market with Bard? Throughout our history, there are many areas where we haven't been the first to market something. You know, we didn't develop the first search engine, or we didn't develop the first browser, or the first email product, or the first mapping product, and so on. Doesn't mean so. You know, there are times when being first matters a lot. There are sometimes it doesn't matter. To us, helping users <laughs> look for information. So we've been on this journey for a while. We have new ways, exciting ways of improving that experience, and so we plan to
0: do that. But the rollout of BARD has had some troubles. In February, when Google first previewed it, BARD got some things wrong. Google's new, highly touted AI chatbot BARD has already
1: made a boo-boo. BARD was given this simple prompt. What new discoveries from the James Webb Space Telescope, JWST, can I tell my nine-year-old about? But here's the thing, it gave incorrect answers. Google employees criticizing their own company on an internal forum after shares fell nearly 10% this week. Google has been repeating over and over again that BARD is an experiment, and it's early days, and they want to get user feedback and try to keep improving the product over time. In my interview, Sundar kept using the word iterate. He wants to keep iterating and listening to users.
0: Accuracy has been a problem for other chatbots, too.
1: Researchers call it sort of euphemistically, quote, hallucination, you know, that these chatbots have a tendency to hallucinate, which really means that, you know, they make stuff up, (laughs) you know. um, they, They make up details about people's biographies. They make up even fake web URLs.
0: These errors have to do with how chatbots learn and where they get their information from. Some chatbots are connected to the internet, and some aren't. Getting data from the internet means it's timely, but it can also be inaccurate. BARD is connected to the internet. And Miles asked Pichai why Google decided to do that.
2: We are a company which grew up on the internet. You know, I think we would always imagine the ability to keep the product as current and up-to-date as possible, where there are elements of factuality, you know, by grounding it in search, all that, I think, helps improve the experience. So I think it's been a natural direction for us. Can you expand on that, um, elements of factuality, what you mean by that and how that plays into Bard? You know, it's a question of when you, you There are times you're asking a question when you're thinking about writing a poem. You know, it's more of a creative query. The actual factual details may matter somewhat or or may not. And, you know, compared to a query can you help write an essay about Thomas Jefferson? You know, hopefully what we say about Thomas Jefferson are based on grounded in actual events and things which actually happen, right? So factuality there matters more. So that's what I'm talking about.
0: Bard's release comes at a tough moment for Google. The company is also under pressure to cut back on spending and make its business more efficient.
1: Alphabet, the parent company of Google, is cutting 12,000 jobs, about six percent of its workforce. Google looking to cut down on the amount of office space it currently rents by asking returning cloud division employees to share a desk with a coworker. They'll work.
0: Pachai told Miles that Google is still in cost-cutting mode.
2: Are you thinking about a second round of layoffs? No, as I said, you know we are very, very focused on this set of opportunities we have and you know, I think there's a lot of work left. We're also at an important inflection point with AI and where we can, we are definitely prioritizing and and moving people to our most important areas. So that, that is ongoing work. You know, we're entering this difficult economic environment and we're also at the
1: same time entering this amazing moment for AI where everybody's playing with different things and sort of envisioning the future in real time. I think a lot of people are wondering, is Google moving
2: fast enough to capture this moment in AI? And is Google set up to do that? You know, this is such an exciting moment, you know, because there are a lot of ideas we have had in terms of how we can help our users, but you quite didn't have a powerful technology capability to actually realize those ideas. But now I think a lot of us see a path to being able to do powerful new things for our users. And so... Across the company, uh, I think we are moving fast. Uh, And when I look at our roadmap over the next few months, you know, we'll be bringing out a lot of these things, like we have done in the last few weeks. We've announced BOD, and so there's a lot more to come.
0: What were your big takeaways from this conversation?
2: Well,
1: this is my first time being able to interview Sundar on the record, and it's a pretty rare opportunity. He doesn't speak a lot to reporters like me. I think my big takeaway was it's interesting to see him get out there more. I think Google is feeling the need to be a little bit more proactive around how they're positioning themselves in this moment in AI. And I think Sundar is feeling some pressure to basically tell everybody, we're good, you know, like Google will be fine. And we are working hard to meet the moment in AI.
0: That's all for today. Friday, April 7th. Special thanks to Katie McMurrin. The Journal is a co-production of Gimlet and the Wall Street Journal. Your hosts are Ryan Knutson and me, Kate Leinbaum. The show is produced by Annie Baxter, Ariana Bow, Catherine Brewer, Maria Byrne, Pia Godkari, Rachel Humphreys, Brendan Klinkenberg, Matt Kwong, Annie Minoff, Laura Morris, Afif Nasuli, Enrique Perez de la Rosa, Sarah Platt, Alan Rodriguez Espinosa, Pierce Singhi, Jivaka Verma, Lisa Wang, and Catherine Whalen, with help from Jonathan Sanders. Our engineers are Griffin Tanner, Nathan Singapak, and Peter Leonard. Our theme music is by So Wiley. Additional music this week from Catherine Anderson, Peter Leonard, Bobby Lord, Emma Munger, Nathan Singapak, and Blue Dot Sessions. Fact Checking by Nicole Pasolka. Thanks for listening. See you Monday.